0: Hello. Welcome to Canadian Real Estate Investing Deal Deep Dive. I'm your host, Jeremy. The Deal Deep Dive offers lessons learned from Canadian investors while scaling their portfolios. If you're looking to scale your investments, listen to the stories from those who have already been there
1: and what they did in your shoes.
0: Corey, welcome to the show.
1: Hi, thanks so much for having me.
0: So Corey, can you tell us a little bit about yourself?
1: I am. So my name is Corey Graham. I'm i I'm an investor out of Vancouver, British Columbia. Um, I've been actively investing in real estate since about 2019. Uh, I've been accidentally investing in real estate since about 2014, um, but really kind of took the, took the bull by the horns in 2019. And have been trying to um, accelerate what I'm doing since then I invest primarily out of province. Um, utilizing various joint venture structures um, and moving forward. I'm looking to kind of keep that going, speed that up as well as uh, move a bit more into the uh, the larger commercial space. Primarily right now it's a small multifamily and um, just continuing to work and learn and find out the next best steps in this ever-changing market.
0: It sounds good. You mentioned you invest out of province. Why is that?
1: Uh, well, uh, in case anybody doesn't know about what the market in Vancouver is like, it is an exceptionally high-priced market. Um, there are lots of other reasons. Um, as much as I love living in Vancouver, like I, I'm looking right now over a beautiful panoramic view of the ocean and, and the city. I'm in North Vancouver, um, but if I were to uh, buy a 600 square foot condo like this, there's just in. The way I look at it, there's very, very little ways to make them cash flow the way I would like. Uh, and essentially, I once you build a team in a certain area, I've gotten myself to the point where it doesn't really matter where that area is, as long as the fundamentals make sense and you have the right team in place. Uh, so I went where the real estate would more match my goals, which is more towards uh, long term wealth building, um, some cash flow to get you through that. But it's more about building the team and whether it's in Vancouver, uh, Edmonton, uh, the Golden Horseshoe, uh, Phoenix, uh, Punta Cana, wherever. If you get a team in place and you have the right legal structures in place, there's really no limits anymore with how good uh, technology is. So that's the main reason.
0: Very cool. Very cool. Mm -hmm. So what was the best deal you've ever done? Hmm. What was the plan? What went right or wrong? And what would you do different?
1: Absolutely. So, as we talked about uh, before, this I I kind of had two I wanted to go over, because <clears throat> the first deal I did at at present right now it's definitely my most profitable and, and and best deal. But I originally purchased it not to have anything to do with real estate. I, I purchased it as a as a primary residence. I was I'd come out of school. I was bright out and bushy-tailed, ready to go into a career, and thought, oh, the next thing you do is you know buy a house. That's what you're supposed to do. Um, So I did all the things that you aren't supposed to do, which was, well, I'll buy a house close to the work that I have right now, because that makes sense. And as many people know, jobs can be very transient. Sometimes you can move jobs, things change. Um, But I thought it was the right thing to do. And then I also thought it would be a good idea to buy a pre-sale because I was like, oh, well, you know, I'll have a year before it's done and then it'll be great. Um, So I ended up buying a a pre-sale condominium here in the Lower Mainland. went through all the paperwork, uh, went through all the lawyers. And at the time I, I thought, man, this is terrible. Like I, there's so much paperwork. It's so stressful. I don't want to do this ever again. And then a couple of years go by, I move into the condo. And then a year after a year of living in the condo, I looked at my my BC assessment and I looked at my taxes for the year from my job. And i realized that my condo had made more than I had in my job. So then I had a bit of moment of reckoning there being like, maybe a little bit of that paperwork is 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 worth it <laughs> and that's when i took a real dive into the whole real estate investing world bigger pockets podcasts galore um, books on books on books and everything going to meetups and but that original condo it essentially was the catalyst for all of my future investing it had nothing to do with knowing anything about real estate investing essentially it had everything to do with being in the right place at the right time i bought a pre-sale condo in the Lower Mainland when the market was a little bit wishy-washy and it has done nothing, but it's almost tripled in, in value since I bought it. Um, and as of right now, so I bought it for 200 it's it's when i look on and i get some comps they're selling in my in that building for about 520 now and i have actually turned that into an executive style rental where we rent to insurance companies or high level ceos on a and it's a it's a furnished rental and we're getting between the range of four thousand to five thousand dollars a month on that um i still have free internet from when i purchased the place um and it, it it's 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 going really well. I, I've cashed out twice on two refinances and used that money for future investments. And it's cash flowing us about eight hundred thousand to a thousand bucks a month right now. So it's uh it's really great. In hindsight, I wish I wasn't so scared and would have bought all the units in the building that were available, but you know, hindsight's 2020, 20, right? So Absolutely. that one's been that has been very fruitful, but it had nothing to do with me knowing anything about real estate investing. It was right place, right time. Um but I'm, was, I'm the way I look at it is like I'm not going to use that as an excuse. Um, I made sure to utilize that, and the majority of that equity is being put to use. Every I have a readvancing home equity line of credit on that property, and every month I'm, I'm taking that equity and using it. So it's uh, I'm not going to sit here and say you know well you know the luck is you know luck is what it is, but you have to utilize it if you really want to uh, move forward. So that was the first one, the accidental best best property. Um, and then the second best deal that I did was a joint venture in Hamilton, Ontario. Uh, it was a a, a Burr property, if, if if your audience is familiar with that term, um, mm-hmm. where we purchased a property that was undervalued, um, underutilized, underrented. It was an estate sale off market. Um, <clears throat> we purchased it. I have the numbers here. Did, did you want to go through the numbers or did you want to just go high level?
0: Absolutely. I'd, I'd love
1: to go through the numbers. Great. Okay. So, the purchase price is six hundred thousand. Um, so we got an original mortgage with Scotia Bank, which was really nice. So we didn't have to utilize hard money. Um, our renovation costs were about two hundred and forty thousand. We had uh, carrying costs of fifty thousand um, in Ontario. In Alberta, you guys probably aren't as used to this, but we you have to pay tenants to to leave a property. So we had to pay the tenants fifteen thousand dollars to leave, so we could start our renovations. At the time, I like I thought it was insane to do that, but my my partners explained this is just you know par for the course in places like Ontario where they have rent restrictions. Um, so there was that. It took about eight nine months. There was some, some carrying costs, like I said, about fifty thousand closing costs. We'll call it five grand. Um, our our uh, refinance value we got appraised at one point two one million. So we pulled out at 80% loan to value on that one, our new mortgage was $968,000, which means that we pulled out all of our capital and there was a surplus of $90,000. So that was a really nice win. Um, and it's now, it's since then in, in the Golden Horseshoe of Ontario, there is essentially no vacancy. Um, as soon as these went on the market, they were snapped up and, and rented. Um, so it's now, it's fully rented. The garage is rented. It brings in about 6,400 a month. And when we did this, this was, we bought it Gosh, when we buy it, early twenty twenty one, and since then, the, the, I mean, the, the Vancouver and Toronto markets have just been on an absolute skyrocket tear. So that obviously helped. Um, but again, it, it, being in the right place, at the right time, I had positioned ourselves to be there, taking the risks. So um, I, I'm gonna, I'll take it as a win as well as as I, was, I do understand that there was a lot of luck involved. Um, the issue now. Is that since rates have been doing this, um, the cash flow on the property has become very tight. I typically, because of my the worst deal, which we'll get into, I typically underwrite my properties very conservatively. And I've been concerned about this property for before this most recent 75 basis point hike. Um, so we are in the process of trying to figure out what we can do to mitigate that. Because we're the way I, the way I underwrite the numbers, we are now cash flow negative. Um, if you if you account for proper amounts for vacancies, for uh, repairs, all these kinds of things, lawn care, et cetera, et cetera. Um, so I am we're actively working on that. But as of it, essentially we got a, a free property that the their that the tenants are paying off for us, plus they, we got cut a 90000 dollars check tax-free, which was which was pretty nice. So I guess there's a slush fund there, but I I'm always conservative and I do not like the idea of cash flow negative properties. So
0: Absolutely not. It, uh, it, it's really hard to be an investor when you're losing money every month.
1: Exactly. And it's, um, yeah, I mean, there's there's other sides. You know, you got, you got the principal paid down, you got this and you got that. But at the, I, I, the metrics I look at, I, I think it's very similar to you, Jeremy. It's it's That is great, but there needs to be some buffer there. And our buffer has gotten snapped up by these uh, very quick rate hikes. And I mean, I hope they're done, but I'm preparing for the worst.
0: <laughs> That's fair. I think the uh, the Bank of Canada said last week to expect another rate hike.
1: Yeah, uh-huh. we've been trying to be proactive, and we're looking at a couple of things. We got our paralegals looking at a few things. Um, the problem with um, provinces that have rent control is that that the, the landlords kind of stuck uh, since we since we put our tenants in, the rent has probably raised twenty percent, but there's nothing we can do, mm-hmm. um, which is it's unfortunate. Uh, but at the same time, it, it, those are the rules of the game. So you have to adapt and just play by the rules and, and, and figure it out as you go. So that's what we're trying to do.
0: Now, I know lots of listeners here are from, uh, well, Alberta and Saskatchewan. Would you be able to go over quickly what rent controls are and why they sure. why they are an issue over in Ontario?
1: And, and British Columbia. And, and BC. Yeah, yeah. So es- essentially, the, the premise of it is that the, the government bodies are worried that... If there, if rent is at a, a free market basis, then people will not be able to afford rent. Um, so what they do is they they implement a, a sliding scale of percentage that you are allowed to raise rent per year. Uh, typically, it's based off of inflation, um, but essentially, since the pandemic started, they froze rent rates. So there was you are not allowed to raise rents uh, at all from twenty twenty, uh, at least in BC. In 2021, I believe it was close to 0% as well. 2020, this year, I I believe it was about 2% the year. So if your rent is $1,000, you're only allowed to raise it when their lease comes up to $1,000, twenty. if if that math checks out, I think. Um, Yeah, if that's 2%. And so for 2023, they've already stated that in BC, the rental increase rate will be 2%. And in Ontario, it will be 2.6%, which is less than a quarter of what inflation is. And given everybody, like, it's no secret that you know the cost of utilities has gone up, the cost of insurance has gone up, property taxes have been going up. All these expenses that landlords have have been going up, and they aren't allowed to increase the income from their property to combat that. So it, it puts landlords in a very difficult position. Um, and honestly, it's one of the main reasons that I still rent in Vancouver, because my rent hasn't changed in... Multiple years, and I live in a beautiful condo that essentially they can't really raise rents on me. so uh, for for us it it's a fantastic lifestyle play, but as a landlord, it is very challenging
0: so what you're a landlord and you're renting?
1: Yeah, yeah, so what my my mentality on it is i I want to rent where I want to live from from a lifestyle perspective, and I invest where the numbers make sense um and this my my condo that i had here in the lower mainland the opportunity to do this um to do this uh, executive style renting it was too good to pass up um because of the the, the rent that we can command for a one bedroom condo it, it's 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 pretty substantial and now we get to live in a, a beautiful north vancouver condominium with a downtown view of uh, vancouver we get to watch the uh, the cruise ships come in and out every day. It's a, it's pretty nice. So.
0: It does sound nice. And you get to put that money to work. So.
1: Exactly. Yeah. And, and I have this conversation a lot with people and I understand both sides of the point of, you know, renting, like renting versus buying your primary residence. Um, I just, for, for for, me and my partner, the, from a lifestyle perspective right now, it makes sense. Um, until we can get into something that we can, you know, either live in flip or live in burr. Or you know, have a mortgage helper that kind of thing. So,
0: makes perfect sense. Mm-hmm. One of the other things you mentioned was um, I, I call it cash for keys uh, when you took over that uh, Hamilton property. I think it was. Yep. Why is that, and how how do you go about it?
1: Uh, it's the same. It's along along the same lines of the landlord tenant board and the rent control. It the the BC and Ontario are very uh, tenant friendly provinces, uh, so for us to do, for us to complete the renovations on this property that, I mean, it hadn't been touched in 50 years. It needed a full head to toe gut and renovation. Um, We essentially, we used, uh, we we had had conversations with the three tenants that were in there and explained what we were doing and that we were planning to renovate this property. And there's, you know, different forms you have to sign to do this, but essentially we say, because of the inconvenience of you having to move, we're willing to offer you um, a package to help with that and it was interesting because the three the three tenants we had we had had to take very different strategies with the three of them. Um one of them she was an old, older lady um and sh- she was really worried about move- moving because she had fibromyalgia and she couldn't physically move the stuff that she needed to. Um so me I'm at, in my day job I'm a physiotherapist. So I I essentially had a conversation with her about that. I ended, ended up giving her some information on fibromyalgia. We paid to have movers come and help her and then we paid um, you know, X, X times her monthly rent to help her move. Um, and she was really happy with that. And then one of the other tenants, he was a bit more savvy. We ended up having to negotiate for a fair while um, and ended up paying him a substantially larger amount. But essentially it's giving them money to have them find a new premises so we're able to complete the renovations. Mm-hmm.
0: And that's due to rent controls or?
1: tip? Yeah, it, it's because the essentially the the landlord unless they're physically going to move into the property and they can prove that the tenants have the the right to say no i'm I'm not moving um it's a lot more nuanced than that and i'm not a legal expert in the landlord tenant act in B.C. or ontario Mm -hmm. uh, but to my understanding that's essentially the gist of it um so what we had to do is we had to get the three tenants. we had to get to the number whatever their number was we had to get there and we just slowly crept up until we had to. and and the number for the three total was fifteen thousand plus the, the the movers for the one tenant. So,
0: Ooh, okay,
1: and that's not the worst I've heard. I've heard I have a um, an investor friend of mine in one of my focus groups. He's he's looking at paying ten to twelve thousand per tenant, and there's two or three of them. So, it's uh, it's a it's a different ball game. Let's put it that way. <laughs>
0: <laughs> it sounds like it. I'm glad I haven't had to come across that just yet.
1: Yeah, it's, it's just a line, it's just a line item. Um, at the time I I'll be honest, I was freaking out about it. And we're like, I can't believe this. Like, we're gonna spend fifteen thousand dollars. And he's like, and my partner said, Okay, well, by the time we bought this property to now that we're negotiating this, we've already seen appreciation of triple that. So, like, we need to do this, we need to get the renovation done. So it, it was it it was it was a mindset shift for me to 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 just you know it's just part of it's just part of the deal.
0: Fair enough. Yeah. As long as you treat it as an expense, I just a line item. Yep, Perfect. Great advice. Mm-hmm. We're going to shift gears here a little bit. And one thing that I'm actually really excited for in this show, what's your worst
1: deal? Oh yeah, here we go. <laughs> so this, yeah, this, this deal, um, it was, it was, well, I'll preface it by saying it was the best education in real estate one could get. Um, unfortunately it was a very expensive, <laughs> uh, education in real estate. That I uh, wish I didn't have to go through, but looking back now that it's been a few years, it, it's really shaped how I conduct myself and, and how I underwrite deals uh, and who I who I choose to partner with. So you you have to take you have to take the positives out of these types of of, of um, situations you get you get you get in and, and and see where you went wrong, see what you can um, use and and to improve yourself moving forward as an investor. So this is a deal. I was fresh. I, I just refinanced my condo. I, I've been reading a million books, listening to bigger Pockets, getting all rah, rah jazzed up about how real estate's amazing. And it's the savior of the world. And you can do this and you can get a million doors. And I was running around all these different meetups you know jumping around like i'm ready to be an investor let's go um and ended up chatting with a couple of guys um we i went out on a couple of uh, bus tours in edmonton um met up with a few realtors a few this a few that and and talked with a couple of guys i really jailed with um one in particular and we decided to go into partnership together and we found an off-market deal that was touted to us and by the numbers we looked at it was going to be the grand slam deal of the year you know it was, you know, eighty uh, percent complete uh, infill, beautiful giant giant infill, um, three bed two bath on both sides upstairs. We were going to build a two bed two two bed one bath in the downstairs fourplex. It was going to be, you know, just a, like about hundred grand to finish it up, finish the basement up, get it all done, sweet and dandy. We're going to walk out of there with the burr, with a with a bunch of money in surplus. Going to be into it for no money, deal of the century. Yada yada. Um, but it turns out when something seems too good to be true, it very typically is. Uh, so we went in, both me and my other partner, we're relatively green in the area. Um, we, we go to the property and, and we're getting pushed hard on this off-market deal, like we need to close now, we need to close now. Um, so mistake number one, we did not do a thorough and proper paid for inspection. We had three people we trusted walk the property. We had our contractors walk the property. They said, everything looks amazing. This place, we could rent the upstairs right now. It's it's beautiful. Um, So we thought, okay, great. Uh, So we we had our purchase. We bought it for $500,000. Second mistake, I am not local to Edmonton. I do not know the areas, and I didn't know the areas as well as I should have to be purchasing a property. And we bought in an area that it turns out is not the nicest area of town. Um, It's in it's in Beverly. I'm 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 sure your 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 listeners are aware of that area. There it's 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 not the greatest area, Um, but I was my eyes were so big with this deal, and we were just so excited about it. They were like, "Oh no, it'll be fine." Like it just it's such a good deal. We have to do it. Um, That was mistake number two. Now we get into the weird stuff where this property. The guy that owned it before us, essentially what had happened is he had too many developments going. And with the downturn, he he was stretched too thin and he just needed to offload a property to deal with some of his bigger stuff. But what we didn't know is that he had been essentially cheaping out on this property from for years. Uh, he had let all of his, so the it was technically not a completed building. So we weren't able to get bank financing on it. So we had to go with hard money. Mistake number three your first deal, you go in with hard money. I was not, I was not mentally prepared for what that would be like and how much of an interest cost that would be. Um, And then we had, so then our, we get our contracting team who were great. They get in, start working into the deal, start, start, start getting some work done on the basements and every single one of their inspections are automatically failing. And we couldn't figure out why we couldn't figure out what, like, all he said, all the work is done, it's it, it, and it's done to code, but as, as soon as it went into the system, it would automatically fail. And the reason why is because the builder before us, he had let all of his um everything that he had done, he had, had let lapse, all of his checks had been bouncing. So the city had, was essentially auto failing because we had back penalties to pay from the previous from the buyer. Um, so that took multiple months to deal with as we're just sitting there, not being able to build any, like, not being able to do anything in the basements. And uh, and then the so that was a mistake. God, how many mistakes are we on now? There's a lot of mistakes on this property. That's a, a general pre- the general premise of this one. Um, the biggest and most deflating mistake and con- problem we have with the property is that when he went to turn on the, the water, uh, the basement started flooding, and he was like, okay. That's weird. The, the basement shouldn't be flooding like as you turn on a sink. Um, so he put a scope down scope down the sewer line. Uh, to exit out the building, and as it went out, it just hit, it just butted into dirt, and he was like, he kept, he was like, okay, well, that's like, that's not normal. What had happened is the seller, his checks had bounced to the city to attach the main water line to the city line, and instead of paying or remedying that, he just chopped the, the the plumbing line as it left the house, filled the property with dirt, put grass on top of it, and sold us the house. So we essentially had a house with no attachment to the city sewer line, the main city line. We're now running, um, b- we're burning hard money onto this property. So we had, we had to, we had to tear up the front yard, lay a bunch of pipe to get it to the city, pay for all the fines for all the different inspections and, and this and that, that he didn't pay for. We had to pay the city to redo the, the, the water main line. Meanwhile, we're tearing up the, the new front yard of this property I'm over in Vancouver just trying to pay the bills to keep from defaulting on our, our private money loan. Um, and all these bills are adding up, you know, we got to redo this, redo the plumbing. And then we had to, then somebody broke into the property because it's in Beverly. Um, and then it was one thing after another. And I was, if it wasn't for my one partner, um, I I really think that I would have just either gone bankrupt or sold the property at a loss and never touched real estate again. Uh, we had another partner in this property who essentially vanished once, once the going got tough, which was also quite frustrating. Um, but the one partner and I, and, and our builder, who was, he essentially, he had been escorted out of city hall three times trying to deal with this. Uh, he had spent countless hours trying to get this sorted out because he couldn't figure out why his, it wasn't, it wasn't working. Um, but long story short, well, Long story, a bit less long. Uh, we ended up getting everything done. We got it refilled. We actually tried to sue the guy that we bought the property from, and it turns out that the guy that we bought the property from, he's an acting member of parliament of the Conservative Party in Edmonton, and this was during the federal election. So we had, we, we we served him with this paper to try and be like, you know, these were latent defects he didn't tell us about. Like this is significant cost to us. Didn't hear anything from him. Crickets. Uh, we were going to take the next step. But at that point, I didn't have the money to pay the lawyers. So I was like, I can't, I can't afford to move forward with this. My builder wanted to go to the press and just to drag him through the mud because uh, he was actively trying to regain his seat uh, in, in in Ottawa uh, as, as a member of the Conservative Party, which he did win. I wish he would have lost. But um, he, so I ended up not moving that because I just, I was, I was running on empty essentially, but we finally got everything done. When all was said and done, we were in for five. The ballpark, it will call it two hundred sixty thousand dollars between all the stuff that had happened. It was supposed to be about a hundred. Um, instead of instead of it taking four months to do, it took almost twelve of hard money. Uh, but it ended up appraising for seven fifty, and so we got the we got the mortgage at seven fifty. So realistically, you know, it was supposed to be hundred percent burn. And what it was was I left money in the deal, spent probably five to ten thousand dollars. And I learned every lesson there is in the book on what not to do with real estate.
0: So, looking looking back at it, is there any way you can tell if uh, permits or anything with the city has haven't been pulled yet?
1: We should have. What we should have done is we should have done a proper inspection of pulled permits. Mm-hmm. If we would have done those two things, it would have saved us. God. Well, a we would have either been like, okay, well, we'll we'll buy this deal, but you're giving us sixty thousand dollars of like credits back to do mm-hmm. it, and then we could have got on it early if we would have known we could have got on it early, but I was green. I didn't, I honestly, I'll be honest. I didn't know what was going on. I, I was like, well, everything keeps failing there. Uh, there must be a problem with our builders. Um, because I, I, I but at, the, at, the, at this point I knew all the theory, I'd read all the books, you know, all the raw, raw about this, but they don't tell you about stuff like this. They don't tell you about how stressful it can be when things don't go exactly to plan, how even your best plan stuff's going to go wrong it always does and you have to you have to be adept and get to the point as a like there was many times where I was just like I just closed the laptop I could I couldn't run the numbers I had to close it I had closed it and go into a different room it was and I I haven't really been able to talk about it much because it's it still kind of gets me going of riling up a little bit and same with my partner we both were like it was a it was very trying, but we we we've, we've we've sat down a few times and looked back and been like, okay, hey, what could we have done? What could we have done differently? So my next my the next property I bought, I flew to Edmonton. I personally put the scope down the line, and then as, as soon as it got to the city line, I I did a little happy dance in the property, being like, oh my god, thank god, at least we're not going to have to deal with that. Um, so yeah, I've I've learned from that. To uh, the the main things I took out of it were. Due, the, the due diligence at the start is, is key and non-negotiable for me at this point. If there, if there's a the deal of the century, I, I don't care if it's the deal of the century. If I, if, they, if there's no time to do due diligence, no time to, to do an inspection, I'm not, I'm not in. And that's another reason uh, in, in Vancouver, the last two years, everything's been going 20 offers, no inspections, and I'm not willing to take that risk again. It was, and on it for, for more than anything, it was for my mental health. Like I, am just, I'm not willing to do that again. Mm-hmm. Um, it was really hard. It was really difficult uh, that was number one uh, number two um with partners trust but verify on both sides because i had i had the both i had both ends with with this deal where i had i had one partner who was this lifesaver and the other partner who i haven't heard from and completely ghosted so it it, it Trust, but verify. It, it, it's really important. And, and it's, and it's no, it's no slight on the person you're, you're potentially going to JV with, but it has to work for both sides, the mm-hmm. money partner and the working partner. And if it doesn't, then it, 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 there's, you can part ways it, 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 you have people, you have to, you have to be okay with that. And the third thing I I've, I have learned is that real estate is very forgiving because after all of that, after all of that headache, it was essentially like we bought the property new, um, so it was, uh, and now, and now cash flow is great, great tenants in it. Um, it, uh, as long as I, every time I go buy it, I get a little bit of a flash of like, I hate this property, but it, you it, looking back at the numbers now, um, once, hopefully once, uh, interest rates kind of calm down a little bit, we'll be able to refinance that it has, it has appreciated and, and hopefully be able to pull out some of that equity. So
0: I'm glad to hear it and some great lessons in there. Thank you very much. Hey, of course. So moving into our last section here, what advice would you give to uh, new investors who are in your area who are looking to scale their business?
1: Uh, yeah um, a lot some of the advice well there's a few pieces of advice I would give. I'll try not to be too meta with this, but uh, the first one is is that you you want to be prepared uh you want to be. All knowledgeable in your areas and you want to you want to make sure that you are getting into the right networks of people because we really the 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 key for this stuff for me at least is the network around you um i rely and lean heavily on people that are experts in their field um and and i'm still working on kind of uh extrapolating my role in the whole process but the having that team is critical. So, so you have to get out there. You have to get yourself into uncomfortable positions. Go to meetups. Go to different Zoom meetups. Go to in-person meetups in areas that that, that interest you. Whether you want, if you want to invest in Vancouver, there's good meetups. If you want to invest out of province, there's good meetups for that. Uh, look on Meetup.com. Look on Facebook. Get into a tribe of people that are doing what you want to do, and then make yourself make yourself a small fish. Um, I. I think I I'll be honest, I think personally I I maybe take that um advice a bit too much at heart because I I put myself into positions of, you know, I'm I'm running around with people that are, you know have hundreds of doors and, and they're looking at this high level stuff. And it is important to do that. But my second piece of advice is to make sure once you get into this, take a step back every now and again and be and be appreciative of what you have uh, and, and and where you are and what you've gone through because it's important to do that. Um if I wouldn't have done that with, especially with that property that went bad, it uh, it would it would be a lot h- harder to to keep moving forward in the real estate game. Because um, after all that stuff happened, I still look back and you go, you know what? I learned a lot of good lessons there. I forged a lot of very good relationships with very good professionals that um, have been able. I've been able to those have paid dividends moving forward. Um, and, and it, it's also kind of, you know, hardens you as, as an investor. And then the last piece of advice I would give is once you are prepared, you got to take action. Um, it, it, taking action is key. You have to take prepared action because you can read all the books in the world. You can go to all, listen to all the podcasts, talk to all the people, but um, until you go through your own school of hard knocks, it, it, it really is. It, uh, it really is eye-opening, and it, it, you'll learn more in your first deal than you will reading every one of Bigger Pockets' books, going to all the meetups. Um, so yeah, that would be my probably my three main pieces of advice.
0: Great advice, great advice. I hope the listeners don't have as much fun with their deal as you did with yours.
1: Yeah, yeah. The like I said previously, just uh, your, the due diligence is is critical, and um, be ready for things to go wrong. Just hopefully not as long as mine did.
0: <laughs> Great advice. Is it okay if we elaborate a little bit on uh, a previous comment?
1: Absolutely. Yeah, yeah, for sure.
0: Now you mentioned rather early on is uh, now you invest all across the country and you were talking about how you need to make a team in, from my understanding, in different areas. Correct. What kind of teams do you look to put in place and are there certain key figures you look in one area or how do you, how do you put that team together?
1: Absolutely. So, um, one thing I would say is, there. After I just roasted all the bigger pockets books, there's a really good book from Bigger Pockets by David Green called "The Long Distance Real Estate Investor," that goes through what he calls the power team. I actually I don't have the book handy, and after that bike ride, my legs are very sore, so it would take me a long time to get the book. But <laughs> it um, essentially yeah, there's there's uh, five critical components to to a power team. Um, one is a mortgage professional. Uh, an an investor focused mortgage professional, uh, someone that that can know your situation and navigate for you the best way to move forward with your different mortgages and different properties, and advise on what you can and can't do. Um, we have I, have I have a good one, <coughs> a very very good one who I mean most a lot of your listeners are probably very familiar with Keaton. He's 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 fantastic. KB Mortgage Group is great. Uh, he works all across the country. He's based in Alberta. Um, but yeah, first one's an uh, uh, investor focused mortgage broker. That one, it's not as city specific, um, to be honest. Like Keaton does work, a lot of the mortgage brokers can do work in in various provinces, but some do have provincial restrictions. So look into that, go through your meetups, talk to people. Um, Second one is is a local investor based realtor. Critical, absolutely critical, uh, because they usually are the gateway to knowing other very good professionals, um, including um, a GC general contractor or a contracting team, contracting group um that is investor focused at fair pricing and will you know mesh with what you want to do uh then you need to have a good uh, legal team lawyer uh typically in the province you want to do work in uh, is is i've found has been better um what are we out here so is that mortgage broker realtor yeah yeah i'm missing one there's five I'm sorry. I'm blanking. <laughs> but um, if you, if you go into, yeah, in David Green's book, he goes into in detail and it, essentially if you get these people in place in the city, you want to go to, um, then you, I, I guess another good one would be someone to find off market leads, um, uh, a wholesaler, that kind of thing. And then boots on the ground, JV, if you want to have that, or you can do it yourself. If you put, if you put a good enough team together, you don't have to have a boots on the ground, JV, but sometimes it's good to have people with a vested interest in your property. Mm-hmm. Um, I've so far utilized that. Um, I've utilized that for most of my properties. I'm looking to move towards more being being the, the, the full the full partner of it, but that's a conversation for another day. Uh, but you, you, you put those people in place in a city. Um and you can really, as long as you have trust and faith in these people and they're vetted well, and you've got good references from all of them, oh my gosh, property manager. Mm. That's the one, yeah. arguably the most important one, because they're the one that are going to put your income generator in your property. Oh my gosh. Yes. Sorry. Property manager. <laughs> um, once you get those people in place, you could, in my, in my mind, you can invest anywhere. Um, I've been looking at places in the States. Um, If you get a good cross-border lawyer that can set up the proper entities for you, that's not a barrier. Um, I've looked, I've gosh, I've I've looked in Costa Rica. I've looked in Dominican. I've looked in multiple different, I'm actually potentially going to head down to Costa Rica for one of my partners, his podcast partner now lives there and, and helps investors set up and build Airbnb properties that you can, go stay in Costa Rica is very, um, expat friendly. Like really you get it, you get a team together with how easy technology is. Now there's really minimal barriers. Um, it is, I'll be honest, it's a bit of a trip when you first get your mind there, but it is, it's, it's really fascinating and really exciting that you can, you location is not a barrier anymore in my opinion. Mm -hmm. So.
0: We might have to uh, go to a physical inspection of that province or that uh, place in Costa Rica.
1: Well, that's just it, right? Exactly. (laughs) A a beautiful two-week write-off trip to Costa Rica. Point again, sign me up.
0: (laughs) Sounds good. Perfect. So where can people find out more about you?
1: Sure, yeah. I can can leave uh, some contact information. I am active on Facebook, just Corey Graham, and you can see some of my... um, see some of my posts there i'm active on instagram i think it's cory s graham oh gosh i should probably check that uh, i'll be honest i'm not i'm not very good <laughs> at the social medias um if anybody wants to get in contact with me i can leave an email as well it's um i can do do show notes i'm assuming right yeah yeah so it's, it's Graham at gmail.com and if they want to reach out and chat i i love talking real estate uh just just if you want to chat about what to do to get started, chat on how how to avoid pitfalls, talk about opportunities in different areas. I love talking real estate. I'll be on two Zoom call meetups later today. I'll be on another one on Thursday. I just, I, I, I love talking to people about it. If I can educate, that's great. If I can get educated, that's even better. <laughs> um, so yeah, any of those, uh, Facebook and Instagram are most, uh, are most what I'm on and you can send me an email as well. Sounds good. Well, Corey. Thank you very much. Of course, Jeremy. Have an awesome day. Thanks. You too.